Science fiction has helped society look to the future with shows like Star Trek, Doctor Who, and Battlestar Galactica. And movies like Star Wars, The Matrix, and The Avengers have helped us pioneer the use of new technologies and to never give up on the human spirit. Fantasy stories like The Lord of the Rings, The Chronicles of Narnia, and even the game Dungeons and Dragons have helped us look at the past with an open mind, but have led us to question the fundamental principles like good and evil, right and wrong, reality versus fantasy, and to question our morality versus our humanity. Cosplay has always blurred the lines between science fiction, fantasy, and reality. For those to participate in the hobby, advancements in technology have caused more and more people to participate in cosplay. With the addition of 3D and resin printers, it's even easier to make and mass-produce the costumes and props from our favorite TV shows and movies. To the public, the ever-expanding worlds of science fiction and comic book conventions have led to more and more cosplayer interactions. This podcast is your exclusive space for science fiction news. This podcast is your place to catch up on the world of fantasy. This podcast is your place to talk about the role of cosplay. This podcast is... The Galaxy Welcome to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. I have with me two people in the studio. You got to get used to that, man. <laughs> it wasn't ready. I have with me Austin the Inquisitor. Yes, and indeed, and also Dad just decided to say, I am the podcast. I don't need technical right. support. I do not need technical support. And I am Bob Chrisman, your host, <laughs> and apparently technical support guru from now on, because that's how it's going to work around here. <laughs> So we have lots to talk about. We have lots to catch up on. I just want to kind of give you guys a brief update as to, like, where the heck have we been, you know? Because I know a lot of you guys are like, where, where have you guys been? You have not yeah. been recording lately. What's been going on? My answer to all that, because everybody keeps asking me, is life. <laughs> like, this is a hobby. Thanks, Crowder. This is a hobby for our star <laughs> productions here. We are not a Steven Crowder. We do not make millions and then get demonetized by, you know... Uh, YouTube no, because just, we make millions off of it. I was just pointing uh, out that you're being sarcastic. I, and, well, I can't and, help myself. And, Dave Landell, Crowder, whatever you want to call me, I don't care. I'm I'm inspired by them, but yes. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the real reality is uh, there's a lot going on in our world, just like there's a lot going on in the real world, and uh, we're trying to trying to get around it. Our schedules have changed quite a bit. The gentleman across the table from me has meant his own personal schedule has changed. Oh, yeah. So Friday nights have kind of gone out the door in favor of horse racing. My son likes to horse around now. You so, have to mention the horsing around. I do. You horse around a lot. All I am going to say is it's a job in my field, and I'm finally working with a camera. You're right, but you're horsing around quite a bit. So he's got a new job. My job <laughs> shifted quite a bit, and Gary's life has shifted quite a bit. Oh, so yeah. that's thrown. why you haven't seen us or heard from us or, yeah, so life. Like I said, it's been thrown in its head too. We tonight are going to be re- reviewing the new mutants movie. We decided to watch that, and uh, we were going to talk about it. We didn't watch it together. I did that on purpose. I wanted to see first off if we could watch it separately, <laughs> uh, and then I and then I wanted to talk about it a little bit. And then we're going to review two. That's right. Here at two episodes of Wandavision. We want to crank through Wandavision now because there's just so much content coming out, and we can't keep up with it all. So the goal now for the rest of the summer is to finish up WandaVision, 
get through Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then get through Bad Batch. If we can do that, I will be extremely ecstatic. I'm hoping that we can also do a Black Widow review before the end of the summer. Mm. So that's another one that I want to kind of get out there, too. So there's quite a bit I want to do, and then there's the things that life lets me do. So hopefully those things will work together in tandem with each other. At least we hope that's the case. So I'm supposing that we're going to push all the news that we have off until we're News is getting up. pushed off. I know a lot of people are waiting for my response about a certain ship, and the next episode I will get into my response to the certain ship that got renamed oh, that I wasn't we're not even, even going to get into it. I wasn't even more. thinking that. I was thinking more recent news about things that have become to end and new things that are coming to beginning. We and can talk about that certain later. certain people in charge. We can kind of talk about that later. I am not uh, Dr. Doom Kitty. Dr. Doomcock. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> the future ruler of the, Earth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Doom Pussycat, you know, whatever his name is. I am not him, so I will not be doing that. No. And no, I will not be getting into cosplay costume going, It's a Dr. Doom Pussycat, and I have all the stuff that you need to know that's totally fake and I can't add any back it up. But I'm going to tell you anyway, because I think you need to know stuff that you don't know. So, sorry, I just watched wow. this video yesterday wow. and it kind of irked me because I was kind of like, some of the stuff he's saying is total bull and well, some people know it. Some of it's not. There's, he's brought up some articles. Ooh. Insider has actually mentioned that there's a lot of turbulence going inside Disney's uh, LFL. Oh, uh, duh. <laughs> but do you need Insider to tell you that? I mean, really? Well, he no. is saying that it's the end, that Kathleen's out, end of the Civil War, Favreau and Lucas and Filoni are in charge. Mm, there's no data yet to conclude that. There's so. no data to conclude that. That's why I'm not reporting on it. I am not <laughs> Captain <laughs> Pussycat. Okay. So let's get to what we're going to talk about. Deadpool? Yes. I don't even know where to go with that. Okay. So let's get let's get to our our, uh, our show today. Uh, there's kind of a three-part show, so it's going to be kind of weird. We'll, we'll have some odd commercial breaks thrown in here. You'll, you'll see where they are. Okay. So first up, today I want to talk about the movie that nobody actually saw. <laughs> It, it's, uh, wait, it's, wait, wait. it's kind of weird. Scroll it's, back down. There was I'm going to get to it. Hang on. It's The New Mutants, and it was a film that was released on HBO Max. That's how we ended up watching it. It's got a runtime of about 94 minutes. The budget for the movie, I love this. This is just my favorite, and that's why I'm going to bring this up. I'm on Wikipedia, and I'll put this in the show notes. The budget for the movie was between 67 and $80 million. First off, how do you not know what your budget is on your movie? Uh, ad revenue. When you get to the end, ads don't aren't a flat rate. Okay, but $13 million worth of ad revenue? There's a possibility that they were also that and maybe screen rights, rewrites, all the other... Well, that was $13 million wasted. That's all I'm going to say. Here's the funny part of it all. So that's the budget, $67 <laughs> million to $80 million. The box office amount that it drew in was $48.1 million. Now, I have my question about that number, and it's not that I'm trying to defend New Mutants because I think that they deserve all the credit in the world that this is terrible. <laughs> that's my overall here. It's not as bad as I think you think it is, but we'll talk about that. What is the ad revenue for... The streaming services. 
Well, first off, there was that. And I was about to ask, is the $48.1 million include the streaming service? So, like, everybody that mm-hmm. bought HBO Max, is that part of the $48.1 Because here's the thing. Not every single person who bought HBO Max watched, watched the movie. Okay, so you've got that. So you're, you're, see, you're seeing what I'm seeing, a fudging of the numbers, right? Okay. It's and a then, safe face. Okay. And then here's the other side of that, too. How many people knew New Mutants came out? Like, we talked about it for a while. I think I saw four ads, and that was it. If that, if that. And now it came out in the middle of the pandemic, and I'll give you that. It was release date was August 28th of last year, 2020. I didn't even know it came out. I just happened to be flipping through HBO Max one day and went, huh, well, there it is. Huh. You know, and I just kind of watched it (laughs) because I was bored, and I I said to my son, hey, watch that when you get a chance. Because we'll talk about it on the podcast. And I'm like, New Mutants. Really? <laughs> you were like, you okay? Yeah, I right. really don't want to, but okay. All right, so let's let's talk about it from the plot perspective, and then I'll explain about some of the things that I thought were actually kind of, like, cool. Some of the things sucked, but, I mean, some of the things that were cool. Yes. So let's start from the top. So this is Daniel Danny Moonstar, a young Cheyenne Native American, is hidden in a tree by her father as her entire reservation is devastated by a tornado, leaving her the only survivor. Uh, I was playing around with the backstory a little bit of of Danny Moonstar, but it worked for me. Yeah, okay, I didn't know the backstory. All I, I know you is you probably I'm, didn't know it at all. I'm watching this going, what's happening? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so after falling unconscious, Danny wakens in an oddly empty hospital run by Doctor Cecilia Reyes, who comforts Danny, explaining that she is not an ordinary human being, but rather has unique mutant DNA, and advises her to remain in this hospital until she learns the effects and how to control them. Here's the thing, though. Did they say she was a mutant? I mean, they said that her DNA was messed up. I don't even think they used the word mutant in the movie, I don't think they they? legally could after the Disney-Fox merger, so they kept saying gifted. Right, and that was the thing that kept throwing me off. They kept saying gifted or you've got genetic disposition to or whatever, and I'm kind of like, that's not mutant, that's not mutant. Why aren't we saying mutant? And then I realized, oh, we can't say mutant. That's not in our vocabulary. So I just thought that was kind of like funny. Slave. Right. Like well, it's kind of like when when Lord of the Rings first came out, mm-hmm. they didn't actually have the rights to say the word hobbit. Did you pay attention to that in the first half of the first movie? They never actually said hobbit. They did in the prequel. In the pre in the prelude that Bilbo was writing. Correct. But that was done so when you look at order of filming the the, the that part of the movie was filmed after they got the rights to use the word Hobbit. Uh, if you notice they used the word little people a lot, right? Or little ones, right? Uh, and the reason for that was depending on where that sequence was filmed or when that sequence was filmed, they had to get the copyright to the, the word or the audio Hobbit. dubbing. Because yes. that, that's recording over. Yes, and some of that was done, too. Yep, they refilmed some spots because they had the word Hobbit, finally. But, yeah, that did happen within the movie. So I just thought that was interesting that that came out. Mm-hmm. So Danny's introduced to four other teenagers, Samuel Sam Guthrie, Ileana Rasputin, which I, as soon as I heard the name Rasputin, I knew who exactly who that was, uh-huh. Roberto Bobby da Costa, and Rain Sinclair. Now, Rasputin should have given you a clue to who. Uh, Do you know? Uh, you had a feeling you were going to be like, uh, uh, uh. all these characters, I they didn't they didn't get to the point where they said their like mutant name. They just decided. You're to... right. So Rasputin, last name, okay, uh, has to do with Colossus. 
because that's his Peter Rasputin is Colossus's name. So yeah, as soon as I heard Rasputin, I knew that had to be magic, which is Colossus's sister. So let's go through those a minute because that that is like it. If you did not know the character's alter ego, then you did not know who you were looking at, and then you were kind of like, "What am I looking at here?" So Sam Guthrie is better known as Cannonball. And they've got this in the cast notes. Uh, he's an American mutant who can propel himself into the air and is invulnerable while doing so. So as long as he's, like, moving at a cannonball speed, he is invulnerable. He's, like, undefeatable. Yeah. Then they've got Ileana Rasputin. She's magic. Okay. And if you don't know who magic is, she's a Russian mutant with sorcery power. She can manifest the soul sword and use teleportation discs to travel. Uh, she is the charismatic sister of Colossus, a member of the X-Men seen in previous films in the series. She has a purple dragon companion, Lockheed. See, a lot of people don't realize that Lockheed had a couple companions, and Magic is one of them. Okay, I always associated with Kitty Pride. So. Everybody automatically associates Lockheed with Kitty Pride, but Kitty Pride, or, uh, Lockheed actually was with three mutants. I forget who the other one is now. There was another mutant, too, that, oh. that Lockheed ended up you know, being with for a while. Was... Kitty Pride, the one where she was with him, or he was with her for the longest period well, of time. Well, the original person to have Lockheed was Kitty Pride, so I think that's why a lot of people associate Lockheed with there Kitty. You go. Then there's Rob Roberto Bobby DaCosta. Now he was the one I was kind of like. It took me a little bit to figure out what they were doing with him. He's a Brazilian mutant who can manipulate solar energy, and he's better off known as Sunspot. Now he was the one I was kind of like. That could have been done better. They didn't do a great job explaining him and his his role and what Sunspot can do. Yeah. Then there was Rain Sinclair, who's better known as Wolfsbane. She's a Scottish mutant who can turn into a wolf and is struggling to rec- reconcile with her religious beliefs, which I didn't catch that at all. Did you? Like, I didn't feel like there was any religious beliefs in there uh, at all. She tended to talk about, like, demons can't come in churches. And right, stuff that's like about that. it. And it's kind of like... Lame right. attempt. Williams was persuaded to join the film after discussing the character's religious background with director Josh Boone, who identified with the comic book character due to his own strict religious upbringing, which is odd because I didn't get any of that out of that character anywhere no. in this film. So, And her being branded a witch kind of like... Right. Through, it kind of fell through the cracks. Red flag for me. I'm like... Yeah. Um... Yes. So those are the characters in the film, and I just wanted to kind of introduce that because if you didn't know who the characters were, then this whole film makes zero sense at all. And my poor son who's watching this going, uh, Dad, I don't get it. And I kind of had to stop and be like, okay, so here's this character, there's that character, here's who they are, here's who they are. You told me when I got to the end. Yeah, I know. But I wanted you to understand, I wanted you to watch it first, and then I wanted to kind of explain what you were looking at because it, it even though you, it's at the end, uh, it was important to kind of understand what that is. No. I remember when the idea was first teased about this movie, as well as alongside the Dark Phoenix, because I was in college. My friends heard, this is going to be a horror-esque, like, living in a gated community-style thing. And I watched, we the first four minutes we were watching of it didn't start there. Next section we start watching it, we're there. But it's not a horror film, and there's nope. no... Th- so either severe uh, cutting on the floor happened where they took all the horror aspects out and tried to add comedy in because if it's too dark, people don't like it, or they threw whole sections out and started over. So I think you're, you're bringing up a valid point about the fact that the concept behind the movie, at least I believe the concept behind the movie, 
drastically changed from the time it was promoted till the time we watched it. Yeah, it was promoted as a, a horror film. It was absolutely promoted as a horror film. Even some of the advertising that I did see mm-hmm. talked about this like horror aspect, but it was hinted at but never taken. Right, and I, I, I think they were trying to walk a fine line between a horror film and a and a science, well, and a fantasy film, whatever you want to call it, a, a comic, comic book, book film, a comic book land film. But I don't think they ever wanted to make a comic book film, at least not this director and producer, which is weird because it was a comic book film and they didn't want to. So it was like they picked the wrong people to run the film. I think it's really what it boiled down to because the people who were running it didn't want to make it a straight up comic book film and that's where they went wrong all right let's get back to this story so now we've introduced the characters by the way the one person we didn't talk about well the two people we didn't talk about is danny moonstar she's mirage for those people who don't know she's a native american mutant who can create illustrations based on the fears and desires of other people the film includes a love story between rain and danny which we can talk about later which williams felt was a natural extension of the comic book characters helping a telepathic connection boone described this as and focus of the film's character-driven stuff. The other one we didn't talk about was the doctor, who is the head of the facility, Cecilia Reyes. Uh, some people know who Reyes is, but she's kind of an interesting character. She's a strict mentor to the group and a medical doctor who can generate projective fields around herself. Or and, around others or an area. Right, and Reyes was just a, somebody who showed up in the, in the annals of... Comic book dumb is a mutant as somebody that was out there. All I know is, is I was I. If you would have taken that ability out and just had the wall be something random, caused by something random, you could even have Trask Industries being popped back up. Maybe. So let's go on. Reyes has brought each of them to the hospital after they have each either experienced or accidentally caused a horrible tragedy. Which I thought was interesting. That's the reason they bring them to the hospital. Either they accidentally caused or experienced some sort of horrible tragedy. Well, that's pretty much every mutant. So why is they are why are they limiting it to just these particular kids? I just thought that was an interesting one. And quite honestly, if that's the reason they bring them to the hospital, it's the same, exact same reason why Charles Xavier brings the kids to Xavier School. I mean, it's there's nothing different there. So Sam collapsed an entire coal mine on his father and co-workers, killing them all. Which, again, that actually sticks to the story, so that worked. Roberto, or Bobby Da Costa, accidentally burned his girlfriend to death. Yep. Rain escaped her devoutly Catholic village by killing the priest after he branded her as a witch. I think that actually is pretty close to the the storyline for Wolf's Bane. I'm pretty sure it is. Gary, have, Gary would have, know more about that. I have one, I know. no idea. All of these characters, I've heard bits and pieces of, and that's it. So yes, you could tell me, sure, and also the sky is purple, and I believe you. Uh, and Ileana was enslaved and sexually abused as a child. If I remember correctly about Ileana, it was even her father who abused her, which was Peter's uncle, I believe. Oh, that changes the scene. Yeah, it does a little bit. Yeah, if you kind of understand that a little bit, then yeah, you look at that scene a little bit differently, and she doesn't say that in the scene. They don't imply it in the scene either. They Uh, really just gloss over lots of, like, really important details that would change the scene. Well, I think they assume you know some things about the characters that you don't necessarily know about the characters. 
So again, they're assuming you're coming into this having read the New Mutants comic books. I, you know, I was saying that from the beginning. It looked like, you know, it was a cool idea. I just worried. And if you go back to our podcast, I, I think there's... from about a year ago or so, Eric had said, oh, this looked great. I even said then, when I said to Eric, I, I, I think it's a great idea, but, and my but was, my big butt, you know, <laughs> uh, was that I felt like they were going to rely too much on people already knowing the backstories and we weren't going to get those and we were just going to get the horror aspect and a lot of people are going to be very confused and I kind of felt like that's what they did. Um, isn't the line for Game of Thrones that anything you say before but you're lying? Probably, but whatever. <laughs> Something like that. So all of them also <laughs> possess superhuman abilities due to mutations in their DNA. Duh. That's what the term mutant comes from. Roberto can manipulate solar energy. Sam can fly at jet speed. Eliana has her interdimensional sorcery powers. And Ryan's lycanthropy. There we go. <laughs> Allows her to word. turn into a wolf. <laughs> Reyes herself is also a powerful mutant who can manipulate plasma energy force fields, preventing the five of them from leaving the facility. Collectively, the five teenagers believe they are being trained to join the X-Men, hence the strict supervision. So let me ask you a question. That sentence right there, when I read it online, I went, huh. Did you get that impression at all? No, they made one comment about it. Right. And I didn't get the impression like, that they were being... What would be your X-Men name? Right. I was like, really? That was, the only, that was the only reference. I didn't get a feeling like they were being trained to become X-Men. And what, so if the director was trying to portray that, they did an awful job portraying and that, it. And that scene came into play when they're hooking each other up to the lie detector. <laughs> right. And I'm sitting there confused as hell. <laughs> well, I'm trying to figure out, are they trying to convince us they're trying to become X-Men, or maybe they're trying to convince themselves that they're trying to become X-Men. I was confused as to where they were going with that. Or are they just trying to play truth or dare and... And, and prove, be teenagers. And, right. <laughs> and right. prove that they're not lying. Right. So, you know, and that's the weird thing, too. They want you to believe they're teenagers, like regular teenagers, but then they're not regular teenagers. So it's just weird. Like crazy people. Yeah. It's the whole thing felt weird in that in that regard anyway, because it kind of felt like they were trying to show you they're regular teenagers. But in reality, in their effort to show you that they're regular teenagers, they're actually showing you they're completely different than a regular teenager. Reyes warned them that they are considered dangerous and should not leave until they have mastered their superhuman abilities. Danny attempts to escape, but is stopped by a force field surrounding the entire hospital grounds. Back to the sentence prior. She says this in a teen circle kumbaya yeah. social group thing. And yeah. It's like group therapy on bad steroids. <laughs> well, why good. would you need group therapy for a group of kids that are about to join the X? Ex- Do you see what I mean? Like, they even <laughs> contradict themselves within contradicting themselves about the movie. The Landau of me is like... Hi, my name is so-and-so. I'm a mutant. Hi, so-and-so. <laughs> Hi, I'm Deadpool. I'm not part of the Marvel Universe yet. Hi, But Deadpool. I'm trying really hard to be part of it. I just want to be the a reason, cameo. The reason they won't let me is because I make rated R movies, and Disney hates R's. So... It's not even in their name. <laughs> yeah, there's no Disner, so I'm not allowed. So anyway... She she then plans suicide from the church clock tower, but is prevented by rain. First off, I, I, okay, when that scene happened, I was kind of like, that's a quick and fast and immediate jump from, gee, I'm depressed while well, I'm locked up in this, this hospital gee, I'm to, depressed. My entire village is I want to kill myself. 
And I, I'm not knocking suicide, so nobody, I'm waiting for the emails. It's not what I'm trying to Send say Send your here. hate mail, too. I understand people trying to commit suicide. What I'm trying to say is the directors and producers did not do a good job of connecting me to the character to actually make me go, oh, my gosh, she's going to commit suicide. That's actually not what I thought was going to happen there. Yeah. I thought she was just going to test her ability. I, I kind of got that, too. Like, she was just going to try to fly. Can I fly? <laughs> and you can fly. That would have ended dangerously because she probably would have died. Yeah. Okay. But Agreed. I didn't see it as a, a suicide attempt until later I read this and I went, oh, okay. Yeah, but it didn't feel like that. You know, like. <laughs> didn't feel anything like that no, at all. No. So, I, you know, I get it. I kind of understand it, but I don't. So then the two begin to form a romantic relationship. But on the other hand, Ilianas antagonizes Danny who discovers that Ileana has a hand puppet of a purple dragon called Lockheed. The romantic relationship. I want to talk about that a minute. I would believe there was a romantic relationship here if it actually didn't feel so forced. I agreed. It felt very forced. And I, I don't know how to explain that to people. Listen, I'm not here to admonish same-sex couples, anything like that. That's not my point. My point actually is, if if you're going to have a same-sex couple on screen, it better feel believable, it better naturally happen, and it better not feel forced. And I feel like, in the context of these two characters, first off, I guess my big question, and I know there are people that come at me about this, what does it matter if they were into each other and they weren't? So here's what I'll say to that. Take the romantic relationship out of the movie for just a minute. Would that romantic relationship have made a big difference if it weren't in the movie? And I got to be honest, I don't think it would. It mm. wouldn't matter. You would care about a friend the same way you would care about a lover in the situation that these two were in. So I kind of was like, I want to believe that's a big deal, that that relationship. But there were two things that didn't work for me. You didn't build it to that. So I didn't believe it. And then on top of it, again, if I just remove the romantic side of it and just said they're friends and ran it the same way, I would I would have the same feeling about that. So part of me is like they didn't do a good job setting up that romantic relationship, and therefore I was made it almost non-believable. Did you feel the same way? I just felt like it was forced. Yeah, and you pretty much nailed it on the head and something in the writing class I had at college was if you want to treat any character differently for a specific reason, you have to write it that way. Whereas if you were to write, you say you want to write a strong female, you write them as if it's a male and then just make it a female and change small aspects. Right. And that's, and that's the same way for a relationship. If right. you want it to be a straight relationship or a bisexual relationship or a just straight up, just write way. it as a relationship. Write it up as a relationship first between character A Correct. and B, then decide genders. Right. And I kind of felt like whoever wrote this decided the gender first, then decided to make the relationship. And that's a flaw and of writing. That's a backwards way of thinking. And so for future movies, if you want to have gay relationships, bisexual, transsexual relationships, whatever you want to call them, I really I, – I'm not that I'm a big fan of that, uh, and I'm being honest about that. But if you're going to do it, you need to almost backwards write that. So I, I guess the you, best way I think of it is like from the education realm – we always think about, and as educators, like, what's our end product? Like, what do we want the person to know at the end of the lesson, right? 
And every teacher will tell you this, we backward plan our lesson to that, right? So the end goal is this. So here's all the steps I'm gonna take to get to that point. We call that backward planning. When you write, you need to backward write. What's your end goal? Where are all these characters gonna end up at the end of the movie? Which by the way, I'm gonna get to in a minute. I don't think they planned that. And then you backwards plan the movie. And I think that's why the movie seems very chaotic in that regard, because the end of the movie does not feel finalized. The end of the movie does not feel like it went anywhere. And at the end of the movie, I kind of asked myself, huh, was it better off knowing the story or not knowing the story? And I kind of went, maybe not. <laughs> you know, so that's where I think it was a problem. You were going to say something. I didn't mean to interrupt. One of the things that was addressed in the writing class is you can lay out certain things about the characters, but don't don't fill it into... Fill broadly. Fill it vaguely. Right. Don't fill it so specific. Gray. You need to stay gray. You need to be as broad as you can so that as you write, you can narrow that down and add it to the character box afterwards. Yep. You have to write backwards. And one of the things that one of my teachers said is write the plot points as a, a points on a timeline. It says you can even draw out a line and put mm -hmm. little dots on a line and make it five feet long. I don't care. Write your plot points on sticky notes and stick them where you want them in what order. Right. Then decide how your characters are going to get to said action. Yeah, plug your characters in next. Yep. So uh, let's go on with their, their point here. So so they bring up the per puppet of a purple dragon called Lockheed. I was a little upset at first because the fact that they made it a puppet at first, I was kind of like, nah, no. That never happened, by the way. Ileana never had a puppet of Lockheed. Now, there were times where, and I'm pretty sure in the comic books, Ileana was talking to Lockheed and nobody else saw Lockheed. And I think that was true for Kitty Pride as well. And so they thought there was something mentally wrong with them, like they were unstable, right? So it was almost like Elmo and the fish. Yes, that's exactly what it was Gee, like. Lockheed, what are we going to do today? Or it was like, I don't, you probably don't remember all the way back, but back when Snuffleupagus first came out, nobody saw Snuffleupagus on Sesame Street, by the way. He was not, he was oh, not yeah. visible. Oh, yeah. He, he was, he was. Big Bird's imaginary friend. Right, he's his friend. imaginary friend. And so Big Bird saw him, but the people, the other people did not. And so everybody thought Big Bird was losing his dang mind. Now, it's kind of funny because I think at some point they decided, hmm, we better do something to show Snuffleupagus is real or at least imaginarily real or kids are going to start thinking that, you know, Big Bird's out of his dang mind. Uh, I, I see or, or Big Bird's in some serious drugs. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and I, I really think that that was what they could have done here somehow to prove that, you know, at first Ileana's talking to Lockheed and then they, they see him at some point. I don't know. But I, I know that might have been the concern, but I'm like, th but that's the point of Lockheed. He kind of makes the person he's connected to a little mm, weird at first because they're talking to a thing that doesn't exist. So anyway. I thought it was just an alien dragon. No, actually, the, the well, it is. It is an alien dragon. But the, it is and it isn't. And it let me is, explain. But, well, what I'm saying is, is I, if I remember correctly, and again, I'm, I'm going off of what I can remember from New Mutants and the comic books, I, I'm pretty sure Lockheed can only make himself visible to those he wants to make himself visible to. So he's not visible to you if he doesn't want to be, if that gets, so makes if sense. So he's really mad at you. He could he just, just hide disappear and trip your ass. Yep. <laughs> so soon the group all begin to have horrifying real visions of their past tragedies, one of which results in Rain getting branded on the neck by the same priest whom she had previously killed. And that's where it's like, okay, now we're starting to cross over into first off the horror element. Okay, I get it. That's that was kind of 
cool. Mm-hmm. But what made that weird was that is not a power Danny Moonstar had. The, the people, like, she could make you see these visions, right? The manifestation of them. But not but physically they were, on the Right, they were only plane. ever illusions. They didn't physically actually enter the reality. They were, and so that was where it's kind of like, how could she be branded by a priest that's not real? And that's where I kind of started going, all right, now we're off the rails. Because now we were really off the rails. Almost like Mysterio's powers, they can, they can happen but they can't affect reality Correct. in major ways. Correct. If you remember in the Spider-Man comics, Mysterio would do all sorts of weird things to Spider-Man, make him believe all sorts of crazy stuff, and then eventually Mysterio would disappear, and that's when Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man, would realize, oh, I was I was in the sewers the whole time, or I wasn't in the city, or, you know what I mean? Or like, Mysterio would create multiple copies of him, and right. he's fighting the copies, believing they're real, but right. as he throws And then he later punch, on finds out that he's... he throws a punch through them, they disappear, and he's sneaking or off they're like the jewels sand, the bank. they're like sandpaper people, you know, or whatever. <laughs> so both, both Ileana and Reyes deduce the visions are the result of Danny's powers manifesting themselves. The ability to physically manifest fears, illusions, or other thoughts from a person's mind. Reyes and Cult consults her employers, the Essex Corporation, who instruct her to collect Danny's DNA and euthanize her. Now, this is where I was kind of like, okay, now we're starting to get back into the mutant world, finally, and it felt a little more marvel-y, okay? So she contacts Essex through the through an email, I think, right? Or something. It was kind of like a live chat, I guess. <laughs> I'd say she hooked up to a DM channel. Well, it was kind of like, yeah, it was kind of a DM channel. But what I found interesting what do you is you want they, to do, Mister Sinister. <laughs> what I found interesting, I was just about to say, is they used Essex Corporation, which is the corporation that, by the way, showed up through what Days of Future Past, uh, Dark Phoenix. What was the other one? Oh, no, uh, Days of Future Past was Trask Industries. Yes, but they also at the end had a briefcase. With Essex Corporation on it. Gary pointed that out to me. I must have missed it. I missed it, too. Gary caught it at the very end. I didn't watch Dark Phoenix, so I can't accommodate for that. So uh, uh, Essex was in Dark Phoenix, but in Days of Future Past, Essex was the one that Trask was working with. Oh. Yes. So Peter Dinklage picks up an Essex Corporation uh, briefcase. Yes, he picks up a briefcase from Essex. They also showed up, yeah. Essex also showed up, by the way, in the other one, Apocalypse. So there was a there was a, a message to one of the mutants from Essex Corporation during the Apoc- Apocalypse film, where they were implying that there's a whole uh, industry behind what they were trying to do. Gary really thought, and he probably was right, they were trying to build all of this up, including new mutants, into the emergence of Mr. Sinister, who is the head of Essex Corporation, which would totally have been cool. Kind of a shame that Fox can't do that now. But anyway, so well, I imagine Disney with the Marvel team probably can find a little bit. They'll better. probably find another way to do They'll it. Find I get a better it. Better way of doing but it. Finally, this- Fox was getting it right. They're actually building up to something which was working, actually, including some of their other shows, mind you, some of the TV shows and stuff that were going there. So mm-hmm. anyway, so there she's instructed to collect Danny's DNA and then euthanize her, basically kill her. Which I was like, okay, now we're starting to sound like you know a mutant comic book finally starting to sound like something that would be Marvel-esque. Would really... And I, I, I'm not a huge understanding of Mr. Sinister. Would Mr. Sinister really ask somebody to be killed? Yes. Because I feel like he would just extract their DNA forever. And well, then... that's why he's t- instructing her to collect her DNA and then kill her. Now, you know why he would do that, right? 
Because he could make genetic clones and, and... And to manipulate them. But more importantly, she could be more powerful than him. That was his ultimate goal. Oh. A lot of people forget that Mr. Sinister's ultimate goal was to be the ultimate mutant on top. He didn't want to have other mutants that were more powerful than them. So he would take their DNA so that he could maybe genetically splice them into his and then kill them so that he was the best. You know, he wanted to be the ultimate mutant specimen. So that's why in the original animated series, he's first off trying to get Scott and Jean Grey to hook up. Correct. Because he wants the kid, essentially. Yes. Which would later become Cable. Which he knew Cable would be important in the future of the mutants, but he also wanted Cable because Cable would have both Scott's and Gene's powers in him. So the DNA for those two powers would be in one child. Holy shit. See? You got it. Okay. So when you... Wow. That's why I love the name of the character because it really does represent the character. Mr. Mr. Sinister. I mean, he really is the ultimate in the Sinister in that he wants to manipulate everybody... So that he's the dude on top, which I always thought was so cool about the character. In the original animated series that I watched, that you maybe watch, he just kind of seemed like Darkseid from Super Friends. That's what you kind of think, yeah. <laughs> but I think they downplayed that because they knew it wouldn't play well with kids if he was as sinister as he's supposed to be. Because uh, that would be freaky weird, right? Yeah. Like as a kid to watch that. So well, let's go on. So as Rhea straps her down on a gurney, Danny's panic causes her powers to go haywire. Ileana and Sam are attacked by physical manifestations of Ileana's childhood abusers, monstrous humanoid creatures called the Smiling Men. And that's where I think we went right back into the horror element, and I don't remember any of that Yeah, in Ileana's past at all. I kind of felt like we just made that up, right? You could use a card to defend it, and that is, as you said, she was abused by her father. Yeah, I get it. But so I would have rather seen her father or uncle or somebody show up and abuse her rather than these weird creatures that really I had no connection to. And I'm sure they, they, they looked, looked like, scary. They but looked like the yellow smiley face just turned right. white. Yeah, it was just weird. It was just like, I'm... Uh, and I didn't understand why I was supposed to be scared of him. I guess that's maybe... I don't know. I, I didn't understand that. I don't think you were supposed to be scared of him. I think it was just more a reason for Magicka to pull the blade out and start slicing them in half. Yeah, maybe. So while, more badassery. While Roberto tries to break through the hospital's outer barrier, which has now contracted in diameter, Danny uses her powers to discover Reyes' true intentions before Rain arrives in half-wolf form and mauls Reyes, forcing her to flee. And I guess that's where I was kind of like, okay, Rain could have been so cool in there. Not half-wolf. Have her come in full wolf, man. She's Wolfsbane. Like, go to freaking town not, on this chick. And not chick. the sparkly kind of wolf. Right. No, like, this could have been cool. Like, I would have been all all in for Rain to come in in full wolf, wolf form, right? The five regroup in Reyes's office and realize that Reyes was training them to, for, to be assassins for Essex. And in order to escape, they must kill Reyes to deprive the force fields of their power source. They find and confront Reyes, who warns them that Danny is too powerful and destroy them all. Reyes restricts them all with force fields and tries to, again, kill Danny by asphyxiating her with a force field, which unleashes the demon bear. Danny's own fears manifested through her power and the true cause of her reservation's destruction on her. Reyes devoured and Danny rendered unconscious. See, now, and, and again, I went online and read all this and went, oh, that makes that scene makes so much it more sense now. It does make it more sense, but... I didn't get that the demon bear was hers. 
she makes a scene talking about the old Indian story about two bears battling inside one's soul. One, one right, but did you get that the bear at the end was the demon bear she was talking about? Actually, that was the part of the movie where it made sense. Okay, see that? I didn't even connect that. I I did. Until I read it online. I and did. I went, oh, okay. I, didn't, I also connected didn't make it to the, the freaking storm with eyes that was destroying her village. See, I didn't make that connection either. I, I Once I read all this, I went, okay, all right, now I get it a little. But again, it it what to me wasn't the directing well. and the storyline was not clear at all. Rain tries to reach through to Danny's subconscious and urges her to wake up. While Ileana uses her power to travel to Limbo, where she retrieves a glowing sword, armor, and a tiny physical manifestation of Lockheed to battle Demon Bear. Eventually, Sam and Roberto join the fight as well as Rain, all to no avail. Danny is visited by her father's spirit, who encourages her to face her fear. She awakens and confronts Demon Bear, calming and thus dissipating it. As day breaks, the group leaves the now unshielded facility to find the nearest town. And that's how they kind of leave it, too, by the and way. They, it's just like, that's it. There you go. They're going I, out to I town. Would, I would Good wonder luck. at what point, because there was a point where the Disney Fox deal went down and the movie, this movie and Dark Phoenix got thrown. Mm-hmm. And then they got restarted. So I would wonder, was somewhere along the way, did the script maybe... They looked well, at the script went, this does not agree with Disney's M.O. First off. Start over. I, I'll, okay, I will say this. Yes, they got, the movies got thrown, thrown out. But the filming for both films had already been done. So Disney didn't have any, they were already in the can. Let's put it that okay. way. And that's where Fox had their argument. I thought they had a valid argument, and that is, they're done. How, how's it going to hurt? Throw what, them out yeah, there. What, what's it going to hurt you guys to put it out there? money on it. We'll, we'll, no, actually, they weren't going to make money on it, but Fox was just like, listen, we're not going to make a lot of money on this, so can we throw it out there just to throw it out there and put our stories out there and be done with it? And Disney at first was like, well, they were worried that it would mess with their timeline, and then they were kind of like, eh. And I guess from what I understood, <laughs> this is where it gets kind of, this is like how twisted Disney can be. From my understanding, they had a meeting with Fox, and they insisted that Fox was going to do it. They wanted to watch the movies first. They went and watched the movies, and from my inside sources, Disney looked at both movies and went, they're so bad, we don't care. Oh. Like, they're so bad, they're not going to make any money off this. There's no way they can. So, yeah, go ahead. Make your movie. We're good. And So, basically, it was pretty much done with filming and editing. Yes. So, so they was got this to see bad what, already, so they, there was yeah, nothing they got on to Disney. see the raw cut of the movies, and they were kind of like, they're not going to get any better than this. We're, we're good. And that's why Dark Phoenix and, and New Mutants were allowed to happen, because I don't think Disney saw them as a threat in any way, shape, or form. And the funny thing is, is both movies lost somewhere between 20 and $30 million each anyway. So that's why Disney was kind of like, well, they're gonna, they want to bathe in it. Okay, let them bathe in it. <laughs> let them sink. Um, but then I also want to point out, too, they did make – see, and this is, where, this is where Fox is a little smarter than I think Disney gives them credit for. Yes, this movie, let's say on the high end, it cost them $80 million, and they only made $48 million at the box office. It was 48.1. Let's say it's $48 million, okay? Mm-hmm. They lost money, yes. But here's the thing. They made $48.1 million. If Disney had not let them produce it at all, they wouldn't have made any money. Would they would have lost all, all $80 million. At least they got a little over half of it back, mm-hmm. where instead they would have lost it all. And the same thing would have been true for Dark Phoenix. So I, in some ways, I'm kind of like, Fox might have been smart to play that card 
so that they're not completely out all that money, that they get some of it back. Well, at that point, they had sold off to Disney, so... They had already made that money, too. Do you hear what I'm saying? So it was like a money on top of money, so why not? It's, it's, a, it's a good deal. And it's not like it's going to harm Disney's side of the budget because it's being released under the Fox banner. Right. So, all right, so thoughts on this movie. What, what did you think of this movie? moderately bad there are some good moments but okay. it was definitely towards the bad column it was on one being terrible 10 being the best i give it a four okay out of our 10 you give it a four yeah okay i i didn't think it was off it was okay so when people said it was horrible i was thinking crash and burn right like i that that's just immediately where i went to is like this is a crash and burn movie it's not going to be worth anything and then I went and I looked at, I watched the movie and I looked at it a little bit and I thought, well, it's not total crash and burn. It's not like, you know, it's not like you couldn't tell Magicka was Magicka. It's not like you couldn't tell a cannonball was cannonball. Uh, the one thing I did like that they didn't even talk about in that, that, that whole setup thing was the sunspot scene where he's in the pool <laughs> and he, he basically vaporates the whole pool, right? Vaporizes and, all the water and in the pool. Turns himself to like, well, he becomes like supernova mode, which yeah. is what he does, right? And, and so, what's her face? The, the girl is in the water, gets out of the water just in time not to be fried, right? Right. <laughs> just kind of like how? But that's how powerful Sunspot is, and is supposed to be, and in, in the comic books, he is that way. And man, part I, of me is like, this movie could have been done a little bit better, and had it been done better, could have been the one thing that really brought the X Men back. I really think if you would have maybe between. Days of Future Past and Apocalypse, if you had to put this movie in a better light and put it out there as the New Mutants being part of the X-Men, I think Fox would have retained. You think they would have been able to not be sold out to yeah, Disney? Yeah, I, I really they honestly... they would have had, like, a negotiating arm for using... Yeah, I think they would have had... I think they would have had the upper hand, as it were, in negotiations, because I think they would have had a strong franchise. However, this movie was poorly produced. The director and the producer should be ashamed of themselves. And I'll tell you why. They knew nothing about New Mutants. Nothing. They were Only what they were probably told by some buddies of theirs that read some comic books somewhere. And it's pretty obvious based on the way they wrote the movie and based on the way they produced the movie. It's kind of a shame because there was a lot of potential. I just felt like, especially the ending, got botched up. And it could have been awesome and amazing. And it was totally screwed up. And it could have been they were testing them, but not for Essex, but to hand them over to... See, that would have been my better ending. Project X. Right. So maybe they get handed over to Xavier at the very end. Like, oh, I wasn't thinking Xavier. Like Scott shows up with, with Hank right at the very end yeah. and says, hey, we heard you guys had a bad go of it. We've got a place that we think could help you better. You know what I mean? And then be like, our school could definitely do better than this place. You know yeah. what I mean? That could have been a better ending than like, them just walking off into a town. Like, like instead of the awful. forest field just being dissipated, you have the heat vision from Scott's uh, right. psych, uh, the blast, break the shield, and you see Beast roll in and knock the doctor out. Right. And have the and have him drag her off and be like, Essex is never going to be the future of mutants. And have Scott talk to the kids and try to convince them to join up with the X. And you could even have a hint of Jean Grey just like mentally blasting her right. off to the end of a mountaintop. 
and then they all disappear, and there's the ending. And don't you think that would have been a better movie overall? Oh, yeah. I think it would have been... That would have brought it up from a four to to an eight. (laughs) Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, there was potential here. There was huge potential. There was some potential also if you... And the romantic relationship, I thought, was bad. It was just awful. If you rewrote it better, and maybe had it stretched out from the very beginning of the film, so she comes in and she's brought in unconscious, and you kind of have... Reyes being the one who's helping, or not Reyes, Rain was Rain. It? Rain was her name. Having her being or the she one. She was the one that she, like, wakes up to. Wakes up to and yeah. is tending to her, like, mm-hmm. making sure she's not getting a fever. She has some cuts on yeah, her arms. Yeah, instead of the doctor being the one who's making that connection. But she has cuts on her arms from the storm and even maybe some really deep gashes from, you know, yeah. wooden trees slashing around. It's going to cause that. So she's the one changing the bandages. She's the one cleaning the wounds out. Yep. That would have been a little bit, okay, we built it up a little bit more. Okay. It's not perfect. So those are our thoughts on New Mutants and our thoughts now. I'm sure you disagree with it. If you do, let us know. We're on, uh, we are on Facebook. We're on, uh, we are on MeWe. We are on YouTube. We are on um, Rumble. Twitter. Uh, and we're on Facebook and Twitter. So please, you know, let us know or email us, galaxycast at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of the New Mutants. All right, we'll be back in just a moment. We're going to talk about the next two episodes of WandaVision. Nobody tosses a dwarf! It's not a beard, but it is a break. We'll be back in just a moment. Here's the new Star Wars Death Star Space Station that you put together. Action figures each sold separately. Darth Vader's firing a laser cannon! It's been hit! He's at the low! Take the elevator! Hurry! Now cross the light bridge! You won't escape me! Jump, Luke! Oh no! The trash compactor! There's a trash monster! The wall's closing! Save! Kenner's new Star Wars Death Star Space Station. Action figures each sold separately. He began his life as a robot named Orion Pax that was a dock worker around 9 million years ago on planet Cybertron. He had a girlfriend named Ariel, and his best friend was named Dion, and all of them idolized the new robots with flight capabilities. His arch-nemesis approached him about using one of the warehouse docks, and Orion agreed, but he and Ariel were wounded when that nemesis attacked those same docks. They were both taken to an ancient robot named Alpha Trion, who gave them better, more battle-ready frames and configurations. With his new power, our hero, Orion, was renamed and became the leader of a resistance movement on Cybertron, and Ariel is now named Alita. In his effort to lead the resistance, he insists they need to search for new energy sources to revitalize the planet of Cybertron. He told Alita that he would return for her, but learned, just before he left on the Ark, that she was killed. Shortly after the Ark's launch, it was attacked by the Nemesis. During the battle, the G-forces of a nearby planet pulled the Ark down, and it crashed into a volcano. Everyone on board went into emergency stasis. Four million years later, an eruption in the volcano turned Teletran Alt-1, the ship's computer, back on, and it reprogrammed all the robots to have new disguise modes for the planet they were on, Earth. Even the enemy robots were reprogrammed, and one of their own, Starscream, fired upon the ship and started a landslide that knocked the restoration beam into our hero, who, now awake, continued the war from Cybertron on Earth. 
Over the next 20 years, those enemies, the Decepticons, seized control of Cybertron, forcing our hero's friends, the Autobots, off of Cybertron and onto two of its moons and their place on Earth. Auto City. From there, he summoned more Autobots to Earth using a distress signal. After a huge battle with his nemesis, Megatron, he suffered fatal wounds, but he also forced the Decepticons to flee. Before he went offline, he turned over his leadership role to Ultra Magnus and said, Until that day, till all are one. Later, when Rotomus was left in command, he was discovered by a human named San Witwicky, and Witwicky discovered that our hero had been miraculously resurrected. He's given back the Matrix, but the newly named Orion does not appear to be himself and even convinces the flying Autobots and Cybertron to fall into a trap set by the Quintessens. Our hero is then attacked by Hot Rod that tries to get him to see his foolish ways. During this battle, our hero remembers he was really programmed by the Quintessens to betray the Autobots. He later leads the Autobot fleet away from Cybertron and toward an asteroid that triggered an explosion that killed our hero once again. Our hero survives this attack, too, among many others, and every time overcomes, even comes back bigger, better, and stronger. If you've not figured it out by now, our leader is the leader of the Autobots, and when his name was changed from Orion, it was changed to Optimus Prime. And now you know the rest of the Galaxy Cast story. Welcome back to the Galaxy Cast. Now repeat back what I just said. Andrew? No! Now that's the button that will kill everyone! Try again! I'm Groot. Mm hmm. I'm Groot. Uh huh. I'm Groot. No! Hey, folks, welcome back to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. We're going to talk first about episode, season one, episode four of WandaVision, titled We Interrupt This Program, because we're going to interrupt your program. So, this was an interesting episode. This is where we finally are starting to put pieces of what's going on together, at least a little bit. This is the first time, I think, in the entire series where I was kind of like, all right, now I see where we're starting to try to go with this show. Yeah. And it definitely was a little bit more of, like, the stuff going on outside of the TV show realm instead of inside of the TV show realm. So, let me read uh, what we've got on Wikipedia here. Again, I'll put it in the show notes. You can go read it yourself. Or you can just listen along with us, and we're going to comment as we go. So, Captain Monica Rambo, an agent of S.W.O.R.D., returns to the life following the blip to find her mother, Maria, has died of cancer. I, th I thought about that. Like, could you imagine all the things that had to have happened during the Could you imagine surviving or not surviving the blip, for that matter? Well, I'll go on the surviving side of the blip. Because, like... <laughs> That's got to be devastating for half of the population to disappear, and it's random, yep. you know? Yep. So, yeah, maybe maybe nobody in your family died, but the next person's family, everybody died but them. You know, like, I can't... Ouch. <laughs> how, would, how would you... I just can't even. I can't. I just can't. <laughs> the idea of it would be insane. Then to yeah. find out that you're gone during the blip and your mother died of cancer while you were gone... I mean, that's just like a, like, you know. We almost had that happen during COVID. Somebody might as well have just taken out a, you know, a metal gauntlet and slapped you across the head. It would have been a lot easier to deal with. 
I just, I mean, I hate cancer to begin with for certain personal reasons, but, you know, beyond that, beyond that, I just, I'm going to say that that's crazy, that just that general idea. And I can't even begin to imagine how Monica Rambo would feel about that. I'm just just imagining when you said somebody takes out a metal gauntlet, they just have a in memorium, like metal Thanos gauntlet, and you just, just. you just beat people over the head who just came back from Maybe the, that's what would have made blip. people feel better if, if they had put Thanos' head on a pike and just let people come yeah. up and slap it with the, the gauntlet. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> screw you, Thanos. Dong. You know, like. <laughs> you're, an, you're, a, you're, a, you're a complete <laughs> pain in my ear. You took yeah. my mind. You took my mind. You took my wife. <laughs> so three weeks later, Rambo returns to work. Think about that. Three weeks later. Really? You couldn't take a month off? You know, like, okay. Uh, she definitely takes after mom. Right. Returns to work and is sent by acting director Tyler Hayward, by the way, Hayward's going to become important later on, to help FBI agent Jimmy Woo with a missing persons case in Westview, New Jersey. I still love the fact that when he appro- when they approach him and they talk to him, when she approaches, yeah. he does the card thing that... <laughs> Yes. In well, Ant-Man and Wasp. That I was, was just about to say, a lot of people didn't realize or had not put together that Jimmy Woo is the same Jimmy Woo from Ant-Man and Wasp that was watching the Ant-Man to make sure that he didn't leave his home. And yes, we are talking about the same FBI agent in the same Marvel MCU. That was one of the things where the for the first time when we had that connection, I went, okay, at least we're still in the MCU. We're not trying to multiverse of madness this thing yet. We're still in the same MCU. Jimmy Woo's there. We know we're in the same MCU. And it, he, of course, has learned to do the <laughs> right, the close-up hand magic. Yes. Finally. <laughs> so they discover a hexagonal static CMBR field surrounding the town, which I still don't know why, if I really understand what CMBR stands for. Uh, do you remember? Cosmic, cosmic microwave, microwave background. background. Radiation does the R. So it says the cosmic microwave background and Big Bang cosmology is electromagnetic radiation which is remnant of an early stage of the universe are also known as relic radiation the cmb is faint cosmic background radiation filling all space it is an important source of data in the early universe and then it continues on but we don't have do you think that's like made up no they they're actually using some real science in the show they talked about it in thor yeah but i just kind of assumed in thor they were making it up in Thor, they were kind of talking about the idea that black holes and wormholes could be portals to other dimensions. I guess I'm just not smart enough to get this crap. <laughs> I don't. Even... But that's the whole point. When Darcy's character is brought in and points this out, and is the astrophysicist, astrophysicist, pardon me, that is the one on that kind of stuff. This totally makes sense because now you're connecting Thor number one. To the show. And you're definitely drawing in on the heavy ties. I mean, this to... is real science we're talking about here. Oh, yeah. The accidental there discovery. Is... I'm sorry. I'm reading on Wikipedia again. <laughs> the accidental discovery of the CMB in 1965 by American radio astronomers Arno Penzias and Robert Wilson was the culmination of work initiated in the 1940s and earned the discoveries, discoverers the 1978 Nobel Prize in Physics. CMB is a landmark evidence of the Big Bang, the Big Bang origin of the universe. When the universe was young, before the formation of stars and planets, it was denser, much hotter, and filled with an opaque fog of hydrogen plasma. As the universe expanded, both the plasma and the radiation filling it grew cooler. When the temperature dropped enough, protons and electrons combined to form neutral hydrogen atoms. Unlike the plasma, these newly conceived atoms could not scatter the thermal energy 
radiation by Thompson scattering, and so the universe became transparent. Welcome to Science this Galaxy is, Cast. My mind is getting... <laughs> I'm going to explode in a minute. This is too much science. A, I'm just imagining you, your head popped open, uh, your brain gone, and there's just a smoke cloud. Why can't it just be, all be like chem, chemics, <laughs> chemistry, you know? Like, this chemical or that chemical causes big boomy boomy. All right, we're done. <laughs> Okay, so theoretical <laughs> science. Got it. There's too much theory going on here. So Rambo's pulled into the CMBR field. We knew that. <laughs> Within 24 well, hours... Kinda, s- we're glossing over that a little bit. She wait. jumps into it. She, she like, does jump in. You're she's, right. She's yeah. like, I think I can go into it. <laughs> she's in, right. So within 24 hours, S.W.O.R.D. establishes a base around the town and sends drones and an agent in to investigate. All I know is, and that's you the just like looked at me, and you're like, "Is that ever? even possible?" And I looked at you, and I go, "Are you kidding? The military can set up a town in like three <laughs> seconds." I mean, seriously, you have no idea. The military, if they want to set something up, man, it's done. It's done as quick as they want it to be done. It's done yesterday. <laughs> yes, because you got to remember, really? these guys can come in and set something up, and everybody knows what they're supposed to do. You're trained. Everybody's got their job. So if you bring a unit in, they know what they're going to do, and they set it up in ten, fifteen minutes. You don't waste time in the military. I, you don't I, have that kind of time. I know. I'm just sitting here going, blip happens. Now the unblip happens. Mm-hmm. So suddenly half the military force is gone. Well, and they all come back. That's what I'm saying. Like, poor Rambo here. I'm, I'm thinking about this, right? <laughs> so you leave in the blip. You come back. Your mother's died of cancer. You get three weeks off, not even a month. Then suddenly you're told to go investigate this thing, and you disappear again. Well, Hayward appears. No, no, just think about it. Well, no, I, Hayward said you can be gone for longer. We're not yeah, necessarily I mean, going and jumping. Uh, come back on, and- come on. <laughs> anyway, Doctor Darcy Lewis studies the phenomena and discovers a broadcast signal. Discovers broadcast signals for the sitcom Wandavision. I just thought bringing Darcy Lewis into this episode mm-hmm. or into this show period was mm-hmm. awesome. Like oh, yeah. awesome. She's she's an absolute and comedy. Beast. I got to be honest with you. I was totally shocked when she showed up. I there was the, the no first, the first hints. time I watched it, I'm like that's that's the girl from Thor, right? <laughs> there were no hints she was coming into this. We heard nothing about her being involved in the cast. There wasn't even like a, an accidental drop that Darcy Lewis was showing up in the show. We heard that Doctor Strange was supposedly showing up in the show. We heard there might be hints to what's going to happen in the Eternals, or but. Darcy Lewis was not mentioned. So, bravo to you, One Division. You actually the surprised ultimate, us with a character. The ultimate mystery box. <laughs> not really. Not really. No, ultimate mystery box was the whole Winter Soldier. I'm sorry. Oh, you can't I, I undo that I was quoting JJ about Star Wars. Uh, going on. So, they use <laughs> these to observe cl- events inside the town. They're talking about the um, the drones and the uh, agent in to investigate. I love the way she phrases getting a TV. I need one that's not flat. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Yeah, because she's trying to pick up an old RF signal, which, okay, so the people who don't know what RF signals are, and I actually have to say this now because we're actually in that era, we didn't used to always get TV via cable connections or the internet. There used to be an RF signal out there. By the way, it's still there where you can put an antenna on your TV. And ready for this, folks? You got TV for free. It didn't cost you a dime. Just the antenna that you put on. I'm Joe Biden. Is that okay? (laughs) TV can be free. (laughs) That's right. Are you getting it? 
This sounds like the worst AMSR video ever. Yeah, now I need to go smell some female's hair or something. So, yes, TV is free if you use the RF signal. Now, I will also be honest with you. RF signals are not great for quality. No. Although they have HD quality RF signals, it's still not great signal collecting, okay? So, yeah, you can get HD if you've got a perfect signal. And RF antennas are awful. I mean, like... I remember I used to, as a kid, go over and we would try to, you know, change the the angle of the antenna and I would get it right and I go to sit down and it would get all messed up. My dad used to laugh and be like, stand right there. Now don't move. You know, like, because I was supposedly the I one that was lucky. I remember that we were, uh, we were there for two weeks every summer mm-hmm. and one of the, before they finally got Time Warner Cable, they still had the old rabbit ears on the TV. Yep. That's what so the rabbit ears were. I remember that there was a time we had his, he had a, we were having issues. So he goes, <laughs> so grandma, without a hesitation, let's go outside, grandkids. We'll go spend outside for like five minutes. Papa fix the TV. I don't know what was going on, but I definitely heard some like cursing at the TV. Yeah. <laughs> He's adjusting these rabbit ears. Wanted you came my mom, years ago. My mom thought I was crazy, but I, I actually had at one point in time, put like ex- antenna extenders on it using tinfoil <laughs> and my mom's like this is stupid and i'm like it works no it doesn't <laughs> well she took the tinfoil off and we immediately lost every station and i just looked at her and i go you're right it doesn't work the tinfoil hat does not work so yeah so they use so let's go on they say they use these to observe events inside the town they're talking about the drones mm-hmm. learning that real residents have been cast in the sitcom and seeing rambo appear as Geraldine. So they now know that something is going on in there. There's a TV show, and the person that went in there is now Geraldine in the TV show. The whiteboard and is... Darcy Lewis is suddenly realizing, okay, so we're learning some things about what's going on just by watching the show. <laughs> yeah. And we're also, I want to point out the entire whiteboard scene where they're looking for that stuff and they're putting cast members up yeah. is filled with Easter eggs. One of, the, yes. one of the written things, and we swear it's written there, but we can't see it. We see here it says scrolls. Oh, no. It has been confirmed. It, it was is, written on it. It has been confirmed mm-hmm. scroll? It says scrolls, question mark. In other words, are there scrolls involved in this? The other one was why is it an, oct- uh, is it an octagon? Yes. Why is it an octagon? <laughs> Something like that. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of Easter eggs on that board. You guys got to pay attention to that. Go to Google, actually. There's Google images for it. Oh. There are. Lewis oh. and Wu unsuccessfully attempt to use radio to contact Maximoff. Now, that's why in the last episode we hear those, you know, weird. Wanda, what are you doing? Right. Is, is everything okay? Is everything okay? So that that was Wu trying to contact Wanda inside the show, which I thought was a nice connection, right? Like it really brought that together well. When Rambo mentions Ultron, Maximoff casts her out of the town, which uh, I thought was interesting. I think that's a very subtle way of putting it. She right. really like just. Like, threw her across Vader the... Vader force choked right. her through the wall. Right. And I don't think it's just... it's. I don't think it was Ultron mentioning that got her in trouble. It was the Pietro. Right. It was a mentioning that Pietro got killed that got her into trouble, really. That's when Wanda lost her crap that her, her twin brother got killed. Yep. Maximoff then temporarily sees Vision appears as he did when he died before settling back into her sitcom life with him. So she sees Vision. The music cue as for the holy, is amazing. Yeah, but as the holy, like, craptastic-looking Vision, which I thought actually was a good um, 
precursor mm-hmm. to what was to come. And I thought mm-hmm. that was a nice, both, as you said, the musically, visually, that whole element, I thought that was great, actually. That was one of the few times I was like, okay, somebody's really getting on top of the cinematic side in the show. And that's what started making me like this show. Like, you had to hang on. Like, you get through these first three episodes, and you're kind of like, where is this going? And then you get to this fourth one, and you're like, okay, now we're moving somewhere. Finally, right? Like, and it's mm-hmm. kind of sad that you had to sit through three episodes of just, like, grueling sitcom where you're like, okay, I get it. I get you're making fun of my childhood sitcoms. Can we get to the point? And then in this one, you're like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. And it's cinematic, and it feels cinematic, and it feels powerful. And that's where I kind of feel like, yeah, we we really kind of nailed, you know, nailed it on that part. Mm-hmm. So those are our thoughts on that episode. We're going to review the next episode in just a sec. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. We need a break before we pick a pill. We'll be back in just a moment. Do you own a business or a podcast? Are you looking for ways to expand the audience you reach? Then Star Productions could help you. Southern Tier Audio Recording Productions started off as a homegrown audio recording company, offering professional recordings for aspiring musicians. It is now a multifunctional business offering DJ services, recording, and advertising services to those who own businesses and podcasts. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com with the subject advertising if you are interested. We look forward to creating a professional commercial for you that can be used in this podcast or even at your local radio station. Many have exclaimed that our services are out of this world. Are you having issues losing your drones? Do you send up your drones and suddenly lose track of them and they even lose power? Well, your answer is now here at Never Lose Drones. When you lose a Never Lose Drone, or an NL drone as we call them, we guarantee that our drones cannot be lost as long as you follow our suggestions. Our first suggestion is to use our new line of sight technology. Here's how it works. You memorize the phrase, If I can see my drone... I won't lose my drone. It's an amazing technology, and it's just that simple. Wow! But if you still need to use drones but don't want to lose them, we have other amazing suggestions. Like suggestion two, if you are using an NL drone, don't load it up with missiles unless you intend on using them. And if you shoot them at a maniac who is running an entire town, um, then you will more than likely lose your NL drone. And our last suggestion for not losing an NL drone is to never send them into a hexagonal static CMBR field, whatever that is. Uh Uh-huh. Here at Never Lose Drones, we construct our drones of the finest aluminum, use the most efficient engines, and the most plastic of plastic blades so that your target will hear them miles and miles away. 
Never lose drones. You'll never lose our drones, as long as you follow our suggestions and never use them if you work for shield or sword. They're just awful with their technology. Welcome back to the Galaxy Cast. So this is how Liberty dies. With thunderous applause. Okay, welcome back to this episode. Uh, we are now going to talk about the next episode of WandaVision. That's right, we're trying to crank them out now because we got to get through this. Uh, this is very episode special five, episode. called on a very special episode. So on a very special episode of... This was an interesting one. Let, let's go off of the read again. All of this will be in our show notes so that you can find it when you need to. So in a 1980s, early 1990s setting, I'm sorry, it's very actually early 1980s based off of the whole show. Yeah, you, you, I, I'd, like we were doing with the other ones, we had talked about first one was kind of... Uh, yeah, we talked Lucy. about the shows that they're like. and, and, and This then, one, it was Family Ties, you said, and Fuller House. There was a well, few other. Full House, not Full Fuller House. House but Sorry. Full House, it had a, a, the beginning had the Family Ties beginning. For those who don't remember Family Ties or have never watched it, um, I highly suggest, by the way, really fun, fun show. It's, it's actually where I learned what scuba means. Family Ties had Michael J. Fox as a son. Meredith Baxter Bernie as a daughter, and there was another daughter, and I can't remember her name. And there were two famous, there was a famous actor and a famous actress that played the dad, the mom and dad. And I, for the heart of me right now, I cannot remember the two of them. They were very good actors and actresses. And it was just one of those kind of wholesome family shows where the son is a, he's a, a hardcore Republican, by the way, which we're, we, we were just coming off of the Nixon stuff. And yeah. so the son very much was a Nixon fan, and the father is very much a hardcore Democrat. Matter of fact, mom and dad, if I remember correctly in the show, they're both kind of like hippie hipsters. And so the son doesn't necessarily agree with mom and dad, so they kind of you know clash about politics, which I thought was kind of interesting for in the 1980s to have a show clashing about politics. It was very uncommon in that time frame. What I there were stupid things that I learned through the show, and I, the one thing I'll never forget on that show, and I don't even know why I still remember it. Meredith Baxter Bernie's she's uh, well, she's trying to get ready for I think it's a science test either that or social, I think it's science, mm. and she has to remember what the word scuba means. It actually is a it's an acronym, an acronym if you didn't yeah. know that, and so. Michael J. Fox gets her to memorize this song, Self-Contained Underwater Breathing Apparatus. And they, like, yell it, like, 20 times in the show. And then, of course, in the <laughs> test, she jumps up and screams, Self-Contained Underwater Breathing Apparatus. So for some reason, as a kid, that stuck with me, and I always knew what scuba meant. And you want to know what the, one of the ironic things was? What? In my teaching certification test, one of the questions was, what does scuba stand for? I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I was looking around the room going, is somebody punking me? Like, is this like... Am I, I untainted camera? Right? Like, I thought maybe I was having my own WandaVision moment or something. Uh, so, anyway, that, that I really think the beginning, because they're going through the painting, and that's what they do at the beginning of Family Ties, it very much felt like that. It felt a little bit like Fuller Ho or Full House. See, now you got me doing it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> because of the like the running around in the 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 meadow kind of thing like they do at the beginning of yeah, full house. And, well, one of the things they did is they also had it like 
age of each person at set period of time. Right. Correct. Up to the adult. Correct. Well, that happened on Family the... Ties too. They 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 did that on on Full House too. You're right. But they also did it on on Family Ties where they showed pictures of the kids as they transitioned up. You know, from being a kid to a teenager and where it was in the show. But you're right. They did do that in Full House as well. So it had that feeling to mm-hmm. it. All I can say is I gotta. I kind of feel bad for. Wanda, who's what's her the actress's uh, name? Elizabeth Olsen. Thank you, Elizabeth Olsen, because that's got to be kind of surreal to do a show that's spoofing your sister's show about kids. Do you, like, do you, like, there's that's got to be weird. I'm sorry, I, I that had to be odd for her to spoof her own sister's show. I don't think it's odd. I think she'd be doing it with a bit of humor. Well, her... I don't know. I think it would be weird for her. I really no, do. No, because especially it would... when you when and and see you weren't around, but Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen did not come out on the other side of that in a good place. No, you've talked about how their parents were definitely like. Well, not necessarily their, their parents. Money. Well, their parents were stealing their money. I'm I'm more talking about like they were not grounded. Those two girls, and quite honestly, I I'm. Pretty sure they had some drug problems on the other side of that of that show. Unfortunately, if I'm going to be totally honest, I'm surprised they didn't have it while they were on the set. Well, well but they're well, kids, you know what I mean. I so was surprised that they their didn't trans- have it their transition their to being a, a teenager became very difficult for them. I think because uh, of that show. Yeah. So I just you know it's got, it's got to be kind of weird for her to be doing that. All right, going on. Maximoff and Vision struggle to stop Billy and Tommy from crying. So. The two boys who have just been born in the last episode are now crying, which, by the way, they are much older. <laughs> if you didn't catch, like, we went from brand newborns to they're probably a couple months at this point, I would say. They oh. look like they're about six months right. to eight months old because Although, they're able to kind of turn in the crib a little bit and stuff. I would ask this question because I only know that you you probably had to face it. Is this how much crying you expected? <laughs> Yes and no. I'll admit, with Ruth, I didn't expect that much crying. I was a little naive, and <laughs> a lot of it had to do with your mother and I. We switched spots, so um, I was because I was at school still, and your mother was working nights. We literally would meet at the door. She'd hand me Ruth, tell me when the last time she was changed, mm-hmm. maybe the last time she fed her, and then she ran off to work, and I had Ruth all night long, and Ruth would cry for me a lot, and so... It was really difficult on us because we were first off not seeing each other, and then on top of it, every time we had the kid, you know, we're we're struggling, having our own struggles with the child. So you know, yeah, kids cry. I mean, they do it. It's just it's part of the deal. I was just saying that the show you open it up and it's immediately like they're both crying on separate floors as they walk down to each other. That I would know nothing about because they're twins. I've never had twins. I wouldn't know what that's like. But I'm just saying is the amount of crying coming out of just one child to the other one. I imagine. I can only imagine what twins are. So anyway, going on, Agnes offers to help after look after the boys, but Vision questions her behavior. This I told you, this was the first time I kind of went. What's going on with Angie here? I kind of went. <laughs> Wait a minute, Agnes <laughs> is definitely acting weird, and now I'm thinking she's up to no good. Like I, this was the first point at which I kind of went. <laughs> There's something going on with Agnes, and she's a bigger deal than they're letting on to us. 
when you said she's up to no good, the first thing popped in my head was Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Well, she, yeah, she. I, I mean, like, really, that's how I felt. Like she, she was up to no good. I mean, like, and that's when I started realizing. Wait a minute, Agnes always pops up at the at the worst possible times for Vision and Wanda. Right? I mean, like she always does. And that's when I started kind of getting the hint. He and Max Moff are interrupted when Billy and Tommy suddenly age up to five years old. So like, they literally just like out of nowhere, the boys disappear. They come down the stairs well, and they're five. No, they're over in the side of the room talking. The room goes quiet. There's no crying. They're like, are they asleep? And they well, go and walk if you over to the cribs and they're empty. If you notice, Agnes distracted them. Uh, she, she said something. They turned and looked at her and then all of a sudden the boys were five years old. So I can't help but wonder if Agnes She was going is... through the alcohol cabinet looking for dark liquor. Right. Well, and I can't help but if Agnes is maybe spurring this on, because every time the boys aged up, she was there. Agnes was in the room. Yep. Did you ever think about that? Like, maybe it was Agnes aging the boys up? I kind of think so. I'm thinking that's what the case is. Yeah. So, when a dog appears at their house, the boys ask to keep it, and Agnes suggests the name Sparky. After lighting an electrical outlet on fire, which I imagine is just not grounded. Or maybe <laughs> the dog had on, you know, some dog tags that they got at a festival, and it dropped between the dog and the... Uh, oh, that was you. I'm sorry. I forgot. That's how you ha, got your ha, nickname, ha, Sparky. Ha, ha. <laughs> I had to laugh when they For said that they were going to audio land. I just gave my dad a death stare. Yes. Uh, so, you know, he, he, I just thought it was funny they chose the name Sparky, considering that's my son's Mandalorian nickname. For good reasons. If you ever want to know the story, just ask me sometime and I'll explain to you the whole Sparky story. Actually, he's lucky he's alive, actually, is what it really boils down to. Thanks to my friend Charles. Thank you, Charles, for saving my son. What do I feel? This is gonna be the rest of the galaxy cast story so, one time. So the dog appears at their house, <laughs> and of course the boys are doing the whole cute. Can we keep him? Can well, we at keep first him? they're blocking the kitchen sink and being yeah. quiet, and normally they're not standing still long enough. By the way, anytime your children create a a human wall like like Wanda talks about, they're yeah, they're something. they're up to something. Okay, <laughs> like they're. You don't create a human wall just for the heck of creating so, a human wall. Time out. Just an honest question to you and Uncle Mike. Whenever you guys got in trouble for wrestling and breaking something, did you ever try to hide it behind yourselves and Grandma just was oblivious? No, we just glued it back together and hoped she never saw it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know about the ceramic duck. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. There was no ceramic duck. So, going on. Maximoff almost reveals her abilities to Agnes concerning vision. While well, the boys age up to 10 years old. Oh, that, that's an oversimplification. Right? Parents, so first off, Wanda parents. definitely uses her, her magic right in front of Agnes. Oh, yes. There's, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. And I'd like to point out, Agnes really doesn't react here. Nope. And that that caught my attention the first time we watched this. I was like, wait a minute. So Hold Agnes, the phone. Agnes is okay with the use of magic, and she's seeing it, and she did not react to it something's going on there. And that's when I started going, okay, I'm wondering if Agnes has powers too. This is the first point at which I thought that. And then the next portion, it's like, well, mom and dad said not until you're 10. And you have that moment where they both look at each other and go, you know what I'm thinking of? Age to 10. (laughs) And again, Agnes is in the room. I'd like to point that out. She she was in the room. And she makes us... A joke about it, like saying, well, let's hope the dog stays the same size. Right. And see, so and I, that's why I'm saying going, hmm. I think she's using her powers to do a lot of some of this stuff because that just kind of reads right into it. 
So at work, Vision reads an email from Sword that reveals the situation in Westview. Now, the part they're really not telling you at all from any of this is in the meantime, we have gone to the Hayward side of things and we've talked over what's going on in WandaVision. Mm-hmm. And they've decided that, you know, obviously Wanda's Wanda's a, a terrorist at this point. Right. She's a terrorist. She's controlling the town. At this and point, Rambo's kind intrusive. Of, yeah, Rambo's trying to explain what her feelings were being in, you know, having her body can mind controlled by this this person that can control hexes and stuff. And, and, and understandably, she's trying to defend Wanda even well after being uh, thrown out of the town. <laughs> right. I did find it interesting that Hayworth is still looking at Wanda as like a an asset almost that they either need to control or contain. Like that, he's still trying like, to figure it's out It's a very as shield asset. mentality, isn't it? It is very much a shield mentality. The 08 4 mentality, either take it in or take it out. Right. That, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So That's, they decide they're going to try to do something to get in there. So they're trying to figure out, like, what can they do to break into the hex? Rambo goes over and shoots her old clothes. And that's when we realize that her clothes that she had on in the actual show were part of the Kevlar that she had worn when she'd gone into WandaVision. So basically Mm -hmm. Wanda's altering people's reality, even including their clothing, to change everything so that it matches up with what she wants it to match up with. And that's kind of scary, actually. And also shows to me just how powerful Wanda really is, which that's, you know, yeah. Isn't this the whole point why then eventually, as the Scarlet Witch in the comics, she goes to talk to Strange, and Strange kind of tutors her to control her abilities? Yeah. I mean, she is a lot more powerful later than she lets on at first in the comic books. Mm -hmm. So at work, Vision reads an email from S.W.O.R.D. that reveals the situation in Westview. So this is the first time I think Vision starts to get an idea, wait, things are not... And the what fact that everyone except for him in the office starts reading it in tandem on key, it's kind of like, wow. Hmm. Yes. There's a, so, there's a hive mind mentality here. He breaks through to a real Westview resident and learns that Max Moff is controlling the town. Well, that I he thought said was she's key. controlling everybody. But well, he doesn't I, specify who. He doesn't, but I mean, he gives enough information that I think that Vision can deduce... Who we're talking about? I agree. Based but on I what also, happens later on, in the I episode. also don't think that it's actually Wanda. Oh, I do. I do. I think I, it's Wanda's magic being manipulated by Agnes. No, I think Wanda's being controlled by Agnes. Well, same old result, but no, different different means to that result. But what I'm saying is, it's her power. It's not Agnes's power controlling the sound. It is Wanda's power. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he breaks this. Here's what I found interesting. He breaks the real resident into reality, then puts them right back into the show. So if I were Vision, I'd want to keep that person out of the show because that's somebody that's been manipulated, tortured, tortured, and you know, suffering. You would, you would think you would want to take them out of suffering. Yeah, like you want them not to suffer. And the fact but, that uh, I'm sorry, the first thing he asks is trying to find a phone so he can call his wife. I think he says, "Yeah." I'm kind of like that's priorities. <laughs> no. So, going on, S.W.O.R.D. sends a drone from the 1980s into Westview because they figure, okay, if they're in the 80s, if it's something that fits in, she may not catch it. Or she may Uh, not try to change it. Right, which causes Sparky to run off. So, Hayward orders the drone to be used to kill Maximoff. 
but she emerges. Uh, so, so there's a lot there. So first off, the dog runs off. They open the door. Dog takes off. That's when we realize the drone's around. And she looks at the drones. Her in in Hayward's perspective, the eyes go red. But in the show's perspective, that doesn't happen. that doesn't happen. Right. So, Rambo tries to talk to her because their goal is to talk her down, and that's when Hayward pulls his little mm-hmm. stunt and is like, "All right, shoot her. Like we've got a we've got a drone that's shield, armed, very very shield which, style. Right. No questions asked. Shoot. <laughs> and and Rambo didn't know that that the. Drone yeah, you was can armed. definitely see the genuine surprise. Wait, what? My controls are frozen. What the hell? <laughs> so Wanda emerges from the barrier with it. I'm talking about with the drone and warns Hayward to leave her alone. I thought that was a very telling scene, and actually. Can, and instead of like normally Wanda talking, she's got like an American accent. She's got a Sokovian accent. Yeah, she she's went, actually doing like the well, kind of subtle Russian accent. I think she kind of, you know, like anybody who gets older and wishes to be a child again or wants to go back into their childhood, I think she is back in her childhood brain again. So and so she's speaking very Sokovian, yes. Okay. I, I do think that's I what's going on I just was noticing it every so often she's talking and it's but like... She's, she's very concise. Stay she tells, out of my home. Right. She's very concise. She tells Hayward to basically just leave me the heck alone. And she goes back into her little world and that's when Agnes finds Sparky dead amongst the bushes and gives a really kind of a, a lame excuse for the dog dying. I can't help it if Agnes killed the dog on purpose mm-hmm. using her magic, right? So Vision confronts Maximoff about her actions. About what's going on inside this the This is towards wa- the end of the episode. The no. Maximoff anomaly. Effect, right? That's what he calls it. I think it's the Maximoff effect is no, what it was No, he called. said anomaly. Was it anomaly? Okay. It was anomaly. But the fact that both of them go up in the air. And they're both like at each other's like yeah the almost like come at me bro <laughs> right uh and then but they are interrupted when pietro arrives i like how they put that in quotes because this is where i thought the show really did a one of the coolest things ever they brought in pietro but it's not the pietro from avengers it's the days it's of the future pietro past from and... days of future past and the x-men and i thought that actually was brilliant because for the first time i kind of feel like they're hinting at a multiverse that maybe Fox's X-Men can kind of sort of stand as an X-Men of another universe that they could then later manipulate into an X-Men in their universe. And I'm kind of wondering if that's how they're going to do it. Yeah. So watching the broadcast, Lewis notes that Pietro has been recast, quote unquote. And I can't help but I, I just... That was just awesome, actually. I, I love really the like way what they that did. he's introduced. Is he's got the '80s shirt slash jacket on? Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, "Well, he fits into the TV uh, show." Agreed. Part of it. But he also talks about squeezing his sister a big hug or something yeah, like yeah. that. And I'm kind of like, uh. So then, uh, one quick thing too mm-hmm. uh, on the bottom here says a commercial during the WandaVision program advertises Lagos paper towels. And I, I always forget, and Austin had to remind me tonight, mm-hmm. Lagos is a reference to her hometown in Sokovia. No, Lagos, no, no, no. Sokovia, right? It's during Captain America went uh, Civil War. They're doing their Avengers things. Crossbone tries to blow himself up in front of Cap. She lifts him up and blows him up in a building. Oh, that's right. And it causes a massive amount of deaths and it's why... Isn't that where Hulk goes crazy too, is Lagos? No. No. I'm okay. not sure where that is. But I know that's a different African American country. All I know is is that led to part of the Sokovia Accords saying that she 
could not be a okay. legal citizen in the United States. Right, right, right. And that's why Stark had her locked in the mansion. So that that was kind of an interesting Lagos paper towels is kind of an interesting one to kind of throw in there. So what did you think of this episode? You know, if we're going to rate this zero, don't bother. Ten being a must see. Where where was this one live for you? On the one division for number four, solid eight. Number three, uh, number five, a solid seven. Both of them are really good episodes. Uh, I only give episode four a higher rating because we get to see behind the magic, we get to see all this kind of background stuff, and it definitely is a different change of pace. Um, episode five being a little more, you can start to see the cracks in the uh, facade of the the truth of what's going on, and it's kind of interesting to see that. See, I, I'm going to go the other way. I actually would have rated episode four a seven and episode eight an eight or, or five, excuse me, an eight. We're and not I, on episode eight. Sorry. I, I really I thought this one was a little bit better only because we're now finally starting to see the the cracks and the storyline a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I also liked this one because we're finally starting to come out of WandaVision a little bit and realizing the what is going on in WandaVision has an effect on reality, and what's going on in reality has an effect on WandaVision, and the two things are actually interchangeable. Before this point, you're not quite sure if they're, like, happening at the same time. You're, like, you're getting hints, but it's not happening. This is the first time I kind of felt like, okay, now we know. Like, you can't get away from it. You know it's going on at the exact same time, and there definitely is something weird going on here. And I thought that was important that we see that, that we actually see the odd stuff going on. So I thought that was, that was kind of cool. Uh, I do think the show gets better as it goes on. I think it oh, starts yeah. off kind of weak. And as the show goes on, it, it seems to get a little better with each episode. Actually, as we got towards the series finale, I, I was a little bit more on pins and needles every episode. Like, what are they going to come up with next? Like, where are they going? Yeah. With this? this is where it started to take off. This is where we yeah. had to, the slight at the edge of the peak. This is, this is why I said people really needed to hang on for those first four episodes or so, because when you get in episode five and beyond, it's like the pacing suddenly picked up dramatically and it took off. I, I And when we get there and we can talk about it, I think mm-hmm. Captain America is the same way. The pacing is so slow at the beginning. You're kind of like, come on, like yeah. get to it. And it's and also all very sudden, much like platitudes about uh, certain political organizations. There is, yeah, there is. And I'm sitting there going, and you've lost me. Well, yeah, stop preaching to me. And then we <laughs> then away. we get to see Falcon and Winter Soldier doing their thing while while and we'll talk about this when we get there yeah. while John Walker's doing his thing and that's when I started felt like it started to take off. Yeah. But again, it took a while. It took 3 episodes or so to get there and I was kind of like you're losing me and I kind of feel like the same way about Loki right now. It's why I don't even want to review Loki at this point cuz right now the first 3 to 4 episodes, I got to be honest, I almost fell asleep through all of them because they're just they they're moving yeah. so slow and I'm like come on, it's kind of like Bad Batch and we get there we'll talk about that a little bit too because there are episodes in the Bad Batch where it's just boring like it. Well, it's not uh, Rebels boring. No, <laughs> it's no. not Resistance crazy stupid. No, but it it it's is definitely good quality writing. It's just it, it's paced bad. But there are episodes that are filler. We know they're filler. You can feel like they're filler. And and that shouldn't be happening in a Star Wars show. That shouldn't be happening in any show on Disney Plus right now. Yet somehow it is. And I I had said it from the beginning. When when they went to TV, they better not do filler episodes. They better be epic, like every Star Wars movie. Because if they don't, they are going to get ripped apart. If they if there's filler episodes, and guess what? They, and I'm talking they, about every show. 
They did. Clone Wars got racked for having filler episodes. Yeah, those, Rebels got racked for filler arc. episodes. Uh, you know, all of them. There has not been one yet that didn't have filler episodes that got racked over it. And now Marvel is doing filler episodes and they're getting raked over the coals for it. So that's just a warning I have for Disney Plus writers. I don't know what you guys need to do to keep that from happening, but you have filler episodes that should not be happening. You have amazing, amazing places to go, characters to work with, things to do. I shouldn't be seeing filler episodes on any of this. Anyway. So those are our thoughts on episodes four and episode five. And again, you can find us at our usual spots. So you can find us online at uh, Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on MeWe. We're on Rumble. We are on YouTube. Please like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. If you're on Rumble, hit that notification bell. And, you know, all those things that were out there. We're also on all the podcast apps out there. So we're on Apple iPod uh, for as podcast we are now on spotify we are on iHeartRadio as a podcast so please keep looking for us there i promise we're going to start getting a little more steady i think as we go here and trying to get a little bit better with that so uh with all those things said like we like to say here in the star production studios may, may the, the force be with those who listen, listen. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode of the GalaxyCast. We hope the show enlightened you on some of the latest stories in the realms of science fiction, fantasy, and cosplay. We appreciate your time and we also value your opinion. We'd love to hear from you. Please take some time to send us your feedback at our email, which is galaxycast at gmail.com. Or you can contact us via social media. Just head on over to Facebook or Twitter and search the word GalaxyCast, all one word, and leave us some comments. If you want to see some behind the scenes of our production, head on over to YouTube and search GalaxyCast there as well. You will find us under our Star Productions banner. The GalaxyCast podcast can also be found online at GalaxyCast.com or through your podcast aggregators like the Apple Store or Spotify. The Galaxy Cast is a production by Star Productions. Themed commercials within this episode are also written and produced by Bob Chrisman through Star Productions, all rights reserved. Music from the intro and outro of the Galaxy Cast can be found online at www.silvermansound.com. Intro music is titled Switch Me On, and outro music is titled The Gatekeepers. You can find links in our show notes. Until next time, Galaxy Cast fans. Follow the first star to the right and straight on till morning.